off, I like to call question one the most fascinating question because nobody wanted to fall into franchising, but you and I both did. So tell me your franchise story. How did you fall into franchising? How did you even get into this industry? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, it, it, Guiding Financial was actually started by my brother, David Nelson. Uh, he was a co-founder. And uh, when he started this little company called Guidant Financial, uh, I was in financial services and doing my own thing. And then I went into business with my father. That company got sold and I was looking to do something. And, and he said, well, why don't you come check out what we're doing here at Guidant Financial? We work with a lot of franchises. I was like, oh, yeah, McDonald's and Burger King. And he goes, no, 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 no. There's a ton more than that. There's thousands of them. And I had the opportunity to go to a conference very, very quickly after joining Guidant Financial about seven years ago. And I was amazed at how many franchises there were. And it's funny, I don't know if you do this, but you start driving around and you can just start looking at the signs and going, yep, know that franchise. Oh, I know who sells that. Oh, yep, I know that CEO. Yep. Uh, and just how surrounded we are by franchises uh, and what an incredible business model it is to be able to take and build off somebody else's success and, and, and grow it. So that's how I fell into it. It was a, a family affair, if you will. Well, what's, what's fascinating about that is that majority of franchisees go through the same thing. And mm -hmm. beginning of last year, we started profiling every, every franchise owner that we work with around their signing or their opening. And we said, why are you doing this? And what's interesting now over a thousand in, the answer hasn't shifted at all. It goes family. And so because of that, it, it's very similar to your story. You said, I worked for my dad. Dad's done. Now I'm trying to figure out what's next. I'm like, maybe I'll go work with my brother. So you've, you've built a career and family. And then the widget ends up being whatever, what, whatever would you fall into. But it seems like when you fall in with your brother, you're like, all right, I really enjoy this, this space. What, what makes you love franchising? Um, well, <laughs> that's a great question. I'll just, to add to your previous one, the very first conference I went to, I actually met my wife, uh, my future wife at that conference. So uh, now my parents are in franchising, my brother's in franchising, my wife's in franchising, I'm surrounded by it, it's crazy. <laughs> but you know, what I love about franchising is that you're taking a proven business model. And there are few and far between the people that have that, that spark that can create a phenomenal business idea, but there are a ton of people that can follow a plan and innovate and execute within those parameters. And franchising with as regulated as it is, with all the disclosures that have to be there, there is a ton of safety in it. And there's, a, there's the ability to have your income be entrepreneurial and at the same time not have to come up with a business that nobody's thought of before right. and that's what i love about it when you so so candidate x comes to your guys company and says mm -hmm. i i want to raise funds for x brand yeah how much knowing what you know about franchising do you ever play coach and say maybe the viability of that business isn't great or how much does your decision to lend to that candidate revolve around the, the strength of the business opportunity or the viability of the business opportunity? Yeah. So guidance financial, our specialty is a strategy called a rollover for business startup. Yeah. And that's where uh, a, a, 
aspiring business owner can utilize their own retirement funds to invest in their business tax penalty free. Right. And so when candidates come to us, they are usually looking at one or two different franchises and evaluating the strength of the franchises. Um, for us, it is not a matter of, is this a franchise that's good or is this a franchise that's bad? Because I've seen some of the, the what I would consider the, the very top of the line franchises, people fail. And things that I thought, well, you know, I probably wouldn't have done that, they do phenomenal at. And so it's, it's truly not about the franchise, but about the individual and how creative and how much they follow the plan that's outlined by that franchise. And so that is a consideration that really doesn't come into play when doing a rollover for business startup. Now, when you are doing an SBA loan, and that is, that is a decision by a bank, we help people to prepare that package. They're gonna look at how many uh, locations are actually open and operational. And that is a consideration when doing an SBA loan. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that part of the challenge of, of franchising is, and we, we see this all the time with a first time candidate. We say, what was your understanding of franchising before this moment? It's yeah. it's typically slim to none. And even you or I, when we get into franchising, you you say McDonald's, Burger King, I, I did, did the exactly the same. I'm like, yeah, McDonald's. Yeah. If I could say a name, but I didn't even understand what the structure was. And what's what's fascinating to me, if we zoom out to the franchisor and you land on their website and it's like, buy a franchise, but not one of them takes the time to say, let us first tell you what franchising is and isn't before we try selling you a franchise. And so I, I go to conferences, I hear about like, oh, they stopped returning my phone calls. I'm like, because you never gave them information of how franchising works. So they felt like you were selling them something. Yeah. So it seems like, like, and I'll say this, not, not, not that the purpose of our discussion is to give advice, but I, I know what Rob's is. It says mm -hmm. Rob's, but it doesn't tell, like to someone that doesn't even know what Rob's is, you're using, you're using an acronym that I, I would yep. explain what it actually is. Because there's so many people that get into business and don't have the tools to actually understand what they're getting business with. That, that seems to be the same is true with franchise. So great that you can access your 401k, but if you don't understand what you're actually getting into and the risks and rewards that you're potentially uh, taking on that path, then we, we as an industry almost set up a buyer to be more likely to fail than succeed in those moments. Yeah, I, and I can, I can see what you're saying. Since you're on our website, if you look at the very top, uh, there's something called the Learning Center. Do you yep. see that? If Got you it. click on that, there is so much information. Um, Guiding Financial prides itself on really educating clients, not only about you know what is franchising, but what is financing and how do I dive into it? And let's be real, Nick, so many times people want to go onto a website and get educated and learn and be able to really push forward. What do I need to know? How does this work? And so our team at Guidance Financial has really invested a lot of time and energy into compiling articles and blogs and videos and calculators to help people understand not only what this is, but also the importance of the decisions that they need to make and when those decisions need to occur. And that's what's really important. As you can see, <laughs> within a couple of clicks, you're right there, introduction to franchising. How many franchisors do you guys work with? Oof. Hundreds, hundreds of franchisors. You know, you know what I would do if I bought your company tomorrow? Like, obviously, I, I can find this by digging, digging through. Yep. 
I would I would offer this up as a white label solution to all your franchisors for free because you've already done the homework. You've, you're explaining what franchising is. Let them put this as a downloadable document on their website, and it could it could be white labeled. Give it to them. Get, take all the content and give it to them. Mm-hmm. But I I see such tremendous value in that because you've already spent the time to do it. It's like you should give this as a white label solution back to your franchisors who aren't taking the time to educate their candidates of what franchising actually is, which then in turn should drive more business your way anyway. Yeah, it's a great suggestion. We do a lot of uh, co-branded white papers, um, but yeah, buying franchise, uh, something as simple and as basic as that, I, I agree with you, it'd be, it'd be a great idea. So thank you. So you, obviously you work with fran- franchisors need your support because candidate X comes in and needs to figure out how am I actually gonna finance this business opportunity. Mm-hmm. Of the percentage wise, or, or even back of the napkin numbers, how many people are candidates that come to you first and say, I, I'm going to look at financing first before I go look at the franchisor versus how many come through the franchisor and said, now I'm going to look at financing? So it's a great question. Um, and my numbers are not going to be exact. Um, I would say that probably uh, of the people that we help with, 30, 40% come through franchising directly. And whether that's through a franchisor or a franchise consultant, that that's where they're coming from. Most of the time they have not settled in on an exact franchise. The, you know, the, uh, the financing process usually happens in tandem with the exploration of a franchise. And so, you know, think of it like buying a home. You can't go and say, oh, I'm going to go look at these $2 million homes and fall in love with a $2 million home when all you can afford is a you know, $500,000 home. So we work really hard to help the candidates understand what, where the, the financial sweet spot work can they afford as they're locking in on uh, a strategy and as they're locking in on a franchise that they're choosing. I think that's uh, incredible, uh, incredibly uh, effective to the buying process. I, I was at uh, the Franchise Expo in South Florida this past weekend. Yeah. Um, and I said, I, I talked with uh, the owner of the of the show and I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what the solution to your shows are. It's like, you have all these people. I bet you if you took every single human being that's coming to your expo and said, what's your understanding of franchising? They don't have much. I said, reorganize your show based on investment level. Mm-hmm. And so when they get there, they, they might go look down the, $2 million row because everybody right. wants to look at nice homes and say, Ooh, those are nice. But then the reality will sink in and they'll go backwards and say, okay, here's my sweet spot. I should be investing between a hundred thousand and 300,000. And I said to the candidates that sets them up to win and to the franchisor, it actually sets them up to win because the worst thing you want out of an expo is I talked with all these tire kickers, which are classified as tire kickers, which just means they're not qualified to buy your franchise. So I'm with you. I think, I think almost step one, before you even decide, now let me go figure out what franchise makes sense for me, you should have some sort of sense of what you can buy, because that's that's what we do when we're buying a house or we're buying a car. We're not going to go look at a Lamborghini. We might like looking at them on the street. They're pretty. Maybe, maybe we don't buy a TJI Fridays. Maybe we're looking at right. what does a home service brand look like, because if it's our financial bandwidth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the financing is is one component of the many decisions that you have to make when choosing a franchise. But it is a critical one. And I agree with you. I go look at three, four, five million dollar homes and they're gorgeous up until the point I see what the mortgage payment's going to be. And I'm like, hmm, not so happy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So back back of the napkin. Yeah. How like 
if you had to advise someone to say like you have 50,000 or you have a hundred thousand dollars, is there similar to buying a house, you're going to put 20% down. Is there a back of the napkin range when you're like, okay, this is how much cash you have. This is about what you can afford. Yeah. And it, it all depends on the strategy that, that they're choosing to utilize. So let's say somebody comes up and they say, I've got a hundred thousand dollars. Where is it? Is it in cash? Yeah. Is it in retirement funds? Are those retirement funds accessible to you? Um, what's the project amount that you're looking at? And so if we're looking to pay, you know, if they're paying cash for it, that that's an easy decision, but if they need to use the retirement funds, okay. Are the retirement funds with your current employer? Are you planning on leaving? Are they available to you? We ask a lot of questions to determine what that is. If they want to take those funds and leverage those by utilizing an SBA loan, we tell them that the SBA requires 10% uh, down payment or equity injection. And so to plan on that, but that's the minimum. And most of the uh, SBA lenders that we work with are gonna want to see at least 20% down. And they're also gonna wanna see about 10% of the loan amount in post lending liquidity. Um, and what that means is, is that if I get, if I put $100,000 down on a loan for, and it's a five, you know, $500,000 project amount, I got a $400,000 loan, they wanna see me having $40,000 in post lending liquidity off to the side. And the reason for that is they want, the bank wants to make sure that you have enough cash so that should you need a little bit more ramp before the business becomes profitable, you, you're not going to go belly up. And, and, you know, it's a very responsible way of looking at things. So it, it, it is highly dependent on the strategy. And we try very, very hard to ask a lot of questions and really truly diagnose, uh, excuse me, understand the situation before we diagnose any kind of solution. You know, it's fascinating to me when, when you're talking about that, I think to all the franchisors that are willing to sell a franchise to someone who could barely put a dime together. Mm -hmm. My my advice to any buyer has always been rule, rule what I call rule of three, meaning you need to be able to afford three of these. And it can be through, it can through, be through financing, mm -hmm. but if you can't afford three of them, then you're taking a giant risk. And if you can afford three, what that means is you're gonna have cash on the sidelines for unit two, Plus you're gonna have cash on the sidelines for a rainy day on mm -hmm. when you open up unit one. And then when you get unit two open, you can leverage paying off SBA loan and transfer it to the second unit. So like there's a way to engineer it so it really works, but there's so many franchisors that don't do the right thing. What you just said, the banks and the financial institutions are setting up the structure that it is set up so that failure is limited because the banks don't wanna have to go chase down that money either. Um, yeah. But the franchisor, that doesn't have that same governor might say, you know, of course you can own our franchise. Let's get you in, in the door. And even though they know that it's going to stretch that buyer thin, mm -hmm. they say yes. And in my opinion, part of that is because of the unnecessary pressures that are put on franchise sales professionals by CEOs that are like, go sell me franchises immediately. Then sure. in order to get their bonuses, they're going to go sell to someone that probably shouldn't have bought. And that's where there's, there's a lot of complexities to the model. But what you just said is, is awesome because at least when it comes down to the money side, 100K, get your loan done, and then you're gonna have 40K on the sidelines, which the other other comment that I usually give to franchisors when evaluating their FDDs is you wanna jack up that operating capital. And they're like, yeah, but that's gonna increase our, our average cost of investment. I'm like, right, that's a, that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, that's the purpose of the disclosure. Um, you know, Nick, to, to your point, we all know salespeople that have commission breath. 
And it, you know, it's it's an unfortunate side effect of of being in sales. Uh, and, and and there are the individuals like that. We've also seen individuals in franchising that are just absolute true professionals, and we love working with those kind of individuals. Um, it's important also to keep in mind that when you're dealing with when you know, I heard it said once, uh, a franchipreneur, and it's a little bit different than an entrepreneur because you know they're following a system, but a franchipreneur they are risk takers by their very nature. You know, you don't say you, you don't have very few account. You have very few accountants come to us and say, Hey, listen, I'm thinking of starting a business. Um, you know, and I want to take a lot of risk. It's usually the people that are visionary and, you know, they believe in themselves. And so our job is to educate and it's to say, Hey, listen, this is your financial profile. This is what we have available to work with. Here's the positives. Here's the negatives. We feel comfortable with this and we have clients that take our advice. We have clients that push the boundary a little bit. Um, you know, all I can do is educate and help them to understand the very best way to move forward is to do so in a manner that is conservative and that make sure that the bills stay paid, the lights stay on and that, you know, they're taking care of their families. And, and that's what we try to do and, and, and take an, an attitude of, of education first at all times. Love it. If you had to talk with someone that's out there uh, listening to our conversation uh, and you wanted them to be pushed over the edge to sign up with you, I assume majority end up being franchisors that call you and say, Ralph, connect, connect me just so that we have financial uh, options yeah. when we get the candidate in. But what, anything else you want them to, to know about you as a point of differentiation as they're making some decisions on who to, who to leverage? Yeah, you know, I, I think first and foremost is to understand and be comfortable with who you're talking to. You know, if you're feeling pressure, if you're feeling a, a scare tactic or, or a takeaway, man, that, that's a that's a red flag. You know, you want to feel empowered through the process. You want to feel like somebody is is helping you to understand what is going on, what's taking place and the why, not just the what. And I think that Guidant Financial does a phenomenal job of making sure that our clients understand the process. And, and one of the things we, we tend to brag about is that the average tenure of the individuals in our team that are educating these clients is 13 years. They've got 13 years of Rob's experience on average at our company. So when you're talking to Guiding Financial, you're not talking to somebody who they hired you know, one year ago. They're talking to somebody who's been there and done it and helped hundreds of entrepreneurs to be able to start a business and have a, you know, a wide and very, very, very backgrounds. So they're talking to professionals that know what they're doing. And, and that's, I think, is really important um, when you're evaluating, you know, who to use for financing. I can imagine a lot of it's built on relationship. At the, at the end of the day, there, there are various companies that do very similar things to you. And, and same with, same with us. I mean, uh, there, there's plenty of competitors, and when you look at the tactical side, sometimes the tactical side is, is all blocking and tackling. It's very similar. But then you're looking at who, who can I trust, who has consistency, who's going to uh, be bendable uh, to, to help me out in, in, a, in a tough situation. And I would imagine that's the same with your business. It's about, about building the relationship. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's about building the relationship. I mean, we've, done, we've been doing this for 20 years. And we've done more, Robs, than, than any other business uh, out there. What's interesting is that, you know, we'll, we, we've had our plans audited 
and we've never lost an audit as a company. And so when you're, when you're the biggest and you've been around for 20 years and you've never lost an audit and you're dealing every day in the tax code, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, we take great pride in, in the safety and taking care of our clients. I think what's I think what's more impressive is you've uh, negotiated a, a job with your dad, you negotiated a job with your brother, and then you negotiated a wife out of this too. Like you're you're set. Like you could be the richest, most wealthiest human being in franchising based on life uh, life outcomes. Yeah, you know I I appreciate that. Yeah, it was uh, it was a serious negotiation with the wife for sure, uh, and I feel like I, I I I it was a coup on that one. Love it. <laughs> Uh, Ralph, thanks for sharing your franchise story. Thanks for sharing information about your brand. Uh, for Ralph, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Supplier.